When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to the Go Big Redcast with Dave, Honky, Mac, and Boomer. Welcome to the Go Big Redcast. I am your host, David Gaspers, and I am with Mac. What's up, Redcasters? We are one consecutive win away from me joining full-time the Nebraska Ball segment. Jumping on the bandwagon. Soon. All right. Good hearing you, Mac. And I'm also with Honky. Uh, Iowa Athletic Director Gary Barta gave me uh, uh, an offer I just can't refuse. So I'm joining the Hawkeye cast effective immediately. It also goes along with a $10.2 million buyout. Oh, oh, wait, sorry. That's not me. That's Iowa basketball coach Fran McCaffrey. My bad. Oh, oh. Yep. So not just all fans, but Fran in particular gets a $10 million buyout, even though they're in last place in the league. Or yeah. close to it, at least. Right. I gotcha. I'm also with Boomer. I'd just like to offer some consolation to all of our Badger listeners out there, and if uh, Hap could push off on free throws, they would have had a chance to hang on in that game. (laughs) (laughs) It it was uh, a difficult first half for Husker basketball, as they seem to be playing seven on five. The refs had it out (laughs) for us. Uh, Ethan Hap could do no wrong. There's a lot of home cooking going on there. Um, And even up to about ten minutes to go in that game, we were down by 11, and uh, we... uh, made a, a strong uh, last 10 minutes uh, result in an 11-point victory. James Palmer Jr. had 28, Copeland 17, and uh, honestly, they just uh, kind of got out of their own way and took over that game. Honky, uh, what are your thoughts on that one? Yeah, well, I mean, as we were preparing for the show tonight and I'm on Twitter, we had several fans with about 10, 11 minutes left in the game. They were starting to shoot out some tweets saying, hey, I've you know, I'm going to bed. This is, you know, the home cooking, and this is just going to be one of those bad defeats. Hey, you didn't have, you didn't go to the grocery store this time, I, huh? I didn't. I, I stayed home. Well, I had to prepare for this, right? But, but, right, right. but I'm, I'm not knocking any one of those fans that said that. I understand it. We understand you. It, as a Husker basketball fan, as a Nebraska ball fan for decades, it's beaten into us that this kind of stuff is going to happen. Conditioned, right? What we've tried to say here on the show here from, from even the preseason is that. There is the potential. We think that this team is a different team. And it's not just there's five stars and there's four stars and all that. But th- but they've had some of that before. They've had some talented players on, on previous right. teams. There's something about the depth there tonight. We've talked about their size on this team, which came in helpful tonight because everyone over 6'8 ended up with four fouls or more. But <laughs> there's depth, there's players, and, and, uh, and there is an element of chemistry between them. I mean, when things got rough here tonight, that – that's a good win. That they just sent out fans a, a minute, two minutes left in the game. They sent fans out of the coal center. So that's yeah, that's pretty cool. It, I, did someone mention that that was like the first time Nebraska had won at the coal center or at Wisconsin in like nineteen? Yeah, that's what they said on the radio. Afterward. We haven't. That mm-hmm. that's amazing. Yep, I was wow. two years old. Crazy. <laughs> okay, one of those is a lie. I don't know which one it is, but. Uh, Boomer, uh, your thoughts? Well, I just would like to think that this is one of those big wins that I really wanted to see out of this Husker team. Yeah, it was against a kind of a down Wisconsin squad, but compared to you know Nebraska ball teams past, you know when they would take those little chances to take a step forward, then they'd take a step back, take a step forward, take a step back, take another step forward, and then they're cha chaing. But finally, this is a time where we've seen them put you know three good wins in a row. You, you get a little hope in the team, and they showed they could come back. Nebraska ball teams in the past would have folded being down 11 on the road. You know, oh, their yeah. offense would have looked confused, would have had no idea, yeah, especially with the fouling that was going on. It was making it almost impossible to yeah, play defense like early on. Yeah, yeah, it was almost, while. you know, they would have been totally discombobulated. You know, this team showed yeah. they had resiliencies, ways to get around it, you know, multiple players out there scoring, and just what you really hope to see. It's If they want to have any chance to, you know, make that push to get into the tournament, this is a game they yeah, had to have. That in, in perspective... So last Monday night we did a podcast, and uh, since that time, now we had lost to Ohio State, uh, missed an opportunity there, 
come back, beat Rutgers on the road. Ugly game, but that's what you have to do at Rutgers. Um, and then on Saturday, blow Iowa out of the bank. I mean, it was a dominating performance, never really in question. And then uh, this game tonight where you're down uh, and it seems like uh, Ethan Happ uh, just had the, had the refs in his back pocket and and then you still go off and, and win by 11. So uh, three quality wins there. And they're going to need as many as they can can get at this point to actually build that resume up because uh, it's just not the typical Big Ten um, before. Uh, Mac, uh, is there room left on that bandwagon? Are you on? Or you, you one more game. One more game. Although, I, right? again, back-to-back weeks, of, I've liked kind of what, uh, what Boomer was alluding to earlier about, you know, you were down almost the entire game. You know, you're kind of fighting, but, you know, we're always down for most of it. And then we got down by double digits a few times, but we never folded. And, you know, Miles in the past, I, I feel like, He's pretty quick to pull guys, and it has that little issue with uh, continuity on the court. I know that's tough because we were dealing with foul trouble and whatnot, but he did a good job of letting the guys just kind of play it out and ride it out. There was no panic, so well, it was good. And, and we were good on the stripe again today, which has been the difference that I've seen this year. Oh, Probably yeah. one of the biggest ones is we've made our free throws, and we're getting to the free throw line. So, you know, all good things. Um, this is a down Wisconsin team, so but it was a road victory, so that that yeah, we can't. You know that kind of that kind of cancels each other out. Fact is, we don't need teams to be amazing for it to look like a good win for Nebraska ball. This is that's the beauty of it. <laughs> exactly. We can't be, beggars can't be choosers, right? And I mean, hey, we're seventeen and eight, eight and four in conference. Uh, if we would have uh, said at this point of the season, when we, you know we had the preseason uh, discussions of, of this team and, and said we were at that point, we'd be ecstatic and thinking that we're just a few games away from wrapping up a, a, a bid. Uh, an at-large bid, but it's an it's an odd year. The Big Ten only has maybe four, uh, hopefully five. I guess maybe if Maryland or Penn State also joins us in this kind of bubble discussion, you could get to six, but that would be a real stretch, uh, and that's a, a pretty unusual situation for for the Big Ten to to have that type of down year. Um, yeah, Honky, you mentioned earlier though. I mean, there's I mean Purdue is a legit number one seed. Uh, Michigan State, they're going through some odd stuff right now in that, that school, but they, they, they're still winning games, and Ohio State's uh, having, a, having a heck of a year. So, Yeah, <laughs> Purdue's won 17 straight. That's not too shabby. Uh, the win tonight gets us to 8-4 in conference. We own fourth place right now, and really fifth place is Michigan, one win behind us, but even if that tied up, we would still would have the head-to-head over them. The tiebreaker, um, yeah. But – but being in the top four gets you to the to the two day. Uh, you go two days in New York City without having to play in the tournament. Yeah, and yep. you can make an argument that that's good or bad for us right now. That you know we need to have quality wins. But to Max' point earlier, you know it's still a road win, right? And Dave mm-hmm. and Boomer, I think we've talked about this because a, a week ago we were talking a little bit about RPI, and we didn't exactly know how. We kind of tried on the fly to. To explain it, we figured out some things since then. Boomer, did you do a little research on that? Yeah, how, my how understanding RPI is factored better on this. Yeah, the RPI group itself isn't adjusting anything for home and away in basketball. They do for baseball, uh, but the NCAA selection committee itself is going to t- take a look at you know the home and away and you know neutral sites, and they're going to kind of use that as a to weight you know actual results. So that is something yeah, to take a look at this year. Like yeah. The adjustment is essentially. A home win is worth .6. A neutral will be a 1. And a road win, which was what we got tonight, is a 1.4. So we need to rack up. Uh, we have a couple more opportunities for road wins. And at this point, we need every win we can get. So, sure, we want to go ahead and win our home games. Uh, but uh, I think we have Minnesota next Tuesday. And we have to go on the road for Illinois. Got to win those games at this point. Uh, because we, it's it's... One of those things we missed our opportunity versus Creighton. We missed our opportunity versus KU. Missed our opportunity versus Ohio State on the road, which would have been huge. Um, that Michigan win is going to have to hold up really well, and it seems like Michigan is is going to be a legit uh, tournament team. But we just don't have a lot of other wins out there, and we don't have a lot left on the schedule. It's a really weird schedule where when we were talking at the beginning of the year, we could start the, the conference 0 and 5. We didn't. Um, here we are at 8 and 4. And now the back end is easy, but that's exactly what we don't need because we just don't have a lot of um, RPI building, resume building uh, opportunities left. 
Yeah, it is what it is, and I just think uh, if we're going to get in, it's going to be by sheer volume. Uh, it's going to be awfully hard for the selection committee to leave out a 21, 22, God for God be uh, a 23 win Nebraska team, which has 12 or 13 uh, conference victories, right? Yeah, who so, would have thought that that sweeping Wisconsin wouldn't be helpful to your resume? I mean, you don't. That's just yeah. that's crazy. They're 136 and, in the RPI going into that game. 136. <laughs> Uh, but you know, Dave, crazy. naturally, yeah. To your point, though, Dave, about just pure volume, uh, we're seventeen and eight right now, and we still have four home games left. And we mentioned this either on last week's show or two weeks ago, one of the two, where it's just it was just win the last win the last home games you had. I think at that time we had five right. left, so it's like win your last five, and if you do that, you'll be at you know twenty wins. Well, now because we we pulled off another uh, a road win, I mean, here we are, just win your home games and you hit twenty one just winning home games. Yeah. We're 12 and 6. That, that if actually, we just win our home games. 12 Boomer, and 6. And maybe you could do a quick quick research on the fly here. Um when's the last time Nebraska's actually won 20 games in a season? Ooh. Yeah, been a while. Well, I, mean, I, yeah. I could make a guess on that. I, I will say uh, because I'll say uh 1998. That would be my guess. I would, 90, or, yeah, I'll find out. lose tournament team. Mm-hmm. Uh, we obviously didn't a couple of years ago with Petaway, et cetera. They went 19 and 13, and that includes that loss in the tournament. I had two cracks at 20 and, and couldn't get it. Um, yeah, I could see it back to 98. Yeah, uh, I mean it's been been a long time. So, I mean, it, regardless of what happens here, I mean this this team is going to is winning at a clip that we haven't been 17 and eight in decades practically. I mean that, that's that's pretty impressive actually. Um, I did so, see a stat yeah. that it had been. Oh, geez, am I going to mess up? It's this way stat? back to it's like nineteen ninety one or ninety two that we were seventeen and seven. That, yes, or, that, or well, that we that were was, sixteen and eight. That we had won sixteen. Yeah. That we had won sixteen games after twenty four. Out of twenty four, it had right. been all the way back to the early nineties, which that kind of blew me away. But that's all right. That's that's our history. The correct answer is the two thousand two. Uh, excuse me, two thousand seven, two thousand eight team went twenty and thirteen under the. Ever exciting Doc Sadler regime. So they got twenty wins yep. that year. In two thousand seven, two thousand eight. Yep. Finished tied Was for seventh in twelve and seven and nine in conference and went to the second round of the NIT, so that was uh-huh. the Doc Sadler heyday, I'm afraid. So he's he got his postseason got him to his twentieth yeah. twentieth. Did win. we lose the Hawaii oh, in the in the NIT that oh, year? Oh probably. Mike? Let's Boomer. find out. <laughs> that would be a Nebraska ball thing to do. <laughs> That's right. That's right. Actually, that reminds me of the the other. No, we lost to Mississippi. Had lined up. Yeah, that's. Oh yeah, uh, well, Mississippi. Hotty toddy. Trivia time. I, I was doing some research on uh, the Big Ten. I mean, Big Ten typically is a multi-big, you know, bid lead league with uh, seven, eight uh, teams in there at least. Um, when was the last time the Big Ten didn't get at least five teams in the NCAA tournament? So not five, less than five. Okay. Less than five. Oh, we're talking fewer than five. Okay. <laughs> uh. <laughs> I mean, hey it, Mac, it, what do you think? Happen? Two thousand three. Come on, Mac, you can do this. <laughs> three. three. <laughs> I have no. I have no. Well, how about this? I don't think it probably happened. It hasn't happened during Nebraska's time in the Big. 12 or Big Ten, so at least go back, you know, that those many years. Prior to that, you're only dealing with 11 teams in the conference, and one of them's Penn State, so that's basically 10, and I guess Northwestern, too. So you only have nine teams really to pick from. Yeah, definitely doesn't Northwestern. They hadn't even made the tournament until last year. Yeah, so I I mean, I'm, I'll say 2,000. I don't know. I'm just throwing a number out. Boomer? I got nothing. I haven't studied the subtle intricacies of Big Ten basketball history that closely. Ironically, it's the same year that Nebraska last won 20 games. Uh, 2008 season oh. was the last time the Big Ten only got four teams in the so NCAA tournament. So that could be a good or bad omen if we finish with 20 wins. So we got to finish fourth yeah, in the Big a, Ten, basically, is what that's saying. Oof. Yeah, yeah, yeah. we need to push through yeah. that and make sure we get like 21, 22, I guess. Yeah, well, way to look on the dark side there. Well, that's Boom. why I'm here. Sorry, man. Yeah. <laughs> 
Uh, hey, Hawk, do we have anything from the from the mailbag that we want to cover on this or anything else on, the, on basketball? Well, we have a couple of questions uh, in the mailbag, but, but one of them is from basketball. The other ones we can do in uh, scarlet-colored glasses when we talk football here. But uh, Scott Dace asks, can we now have expectations of having both men's and women's basketball in the tournament, or is it still too soon? And I think, obviously, on the men's side, we've just talked about that. But on the women's side, I think that is a good good question there. And, and uh, the women's team is, is having quite a bit of success right now. If you're not paying attention, I, I would start doing so. Uh, they Those just beat Iowa. Those hot right now. Yeah. Well, they just beat Iowa, uh, and Iowa was number 25. And they beat them with – they had 56 first-half points on the road at Iowa. Wow. Uh, which is the most ever in school uh, on history. On the road. Yeah, most ever in school history versus a conference opponent. Uh, at one point, I think they were up like 36 or something in the game. They end up winning 92-74. to 74. But uh, they're 16-6 and six overall. They're 7-2 and two in the Big Ten, so they're doing quite well. Uh, and one other little stat, I think this was interesting, they beat Purdue 75-51 to 51 last week. And what's significant about that is they lost last year 88-45 to 45 to the Boilermakers. So I won't make you guys all do the math on it, but that's a 67-point turnaround against the Boilermakers from last well, I, year to this year. I, I ask you, I wonder, is that a bigger turnaround than – the men's team versus Michigan, where they won by 20 this year, Ooh. and they got blown out by Michigan at home, I think, the last game of the year. Just it was, a, it was like the worst home loss ever, practically, wasn't oh, it? Oh, that's a good question. A similar turnaround on that. Uh, I'm sure Boomer can look that up relatively quickly. But, I mean, we it was like the worst home loss in Nebraska history, practically, um, yeah, against the Wolverines last year. That would be probably right up there with it. That's a good point. But, Thanks for the uh, the question, Scott. And, yeah, I, th- I think that we're kind of coming to the conclusion right now that I think both of these teams are on pace. In fact, it was about a week ago, there was at one point there was a stat where only Nebraska was the only school in the Big Ten that at that time had at least six wins in each men's and women's basketball. Of course, that number is up now. And uh, tonight's win for Nebraska got us eight and four in conference. Got us to 17 and eight overall. Uh, we are just ahead of Michigan. And um, – and like we said, if you're in the top four, you're going to get the two-day bye in New York City. And and uh, you can argue if that's good or bad because right now we need to we need to play some of those top teams. And you're not going to play them in the first that first round for us, you know, by right. the time it gets to us there. Right. But, oh, well, just keep winning. We, bulk, bulk numbers. We don't have another game until next Tuesday versus Minnesota in Minneapolis, so um, not always the best for a hot team to take a break, but um, it has been a pretty tough schedule, so hopefully they can heal up a little bit um, and get their legs underneath them, but not get any rust. Uh, that'll be a key. Mm-hmm. Scarlet colored glasses. Alright, next on the Go Big Redcast, we're going to talk a little Nebraska football. That's what we do best around here with scarlet colored glasses. Uh, hey guys, you know, it looks like we got another recruit over the weekend, uh, Cam Jones from Texas. Uh, I think of Mansfield, Texas, which is I think my old neck of the woods when I was down there. Uh, committed on Saturday night. Um, I think Rivals had us up to 18th or so, so the Scott Frost uh, machine is still in full action. Uh, Honky, what are your takes? I don't think we should have fired Riley because I, I think it would affect our, our recruiting too much. That's um, right, that's right. <laughs> God. Anywho, um, hey, uh, we had some mailbag questions, and uh, and they revolve around recruiting. Well, one of them does. I, I, I want to bring up this this other one first, and, and then we'll move on. But Aaron Kobza had a good question. He said, uh, when you guys have some time for some fun here, uh, give me your all-time Husker team, offense and defense, and uh, also feel free to do an all-time worst team just for a laugh. Um, <laughs> we love the question, Aaron. It could be interesting. We love the question, and we're going to hold on to this. We're going to do this one. Uh, during the off season, when uh, when we don't have other sports in season to be talking about, but, we're uh, really killing time. That Perfect. that's absolutely right. Um, but great question, Aaron. Thank you for it. Uh, and Grandpappy Husker, he is asking us: win, lose, or draw. How did we fare with the four star recruits we gained under Frost versus the ones uh, we lost uh, while that Riley was recruiting? So uh, I'm going to hand that over to our uh, recruiting specialist. Mac. And uh, all right. What, what do you think? Uh, well, let me dive into this here a little bit. So, how do uh, how do our current four stars rank up uh, versus the ones we had at Riley's departure? So, let's say right. Riley's last right. commit was around December. Or excuse me, uh, October sixth, and that was that David Alston. He was a three star kid. So at that point, um, yep. I went back and looked at it. 
we had six four stars at the time. We had Josh Mo- Josh Moore, Mario Goodrich, um, Chase Williams, Buki, and then uh, Cam Jurgens. Yep. I'm trying to. Oh, and Tate Wilder and Tate Wilderman. And how many? How many did we have in the? Oh yeah. Well, Tate wasn't probably. No, I don't think he was at, at that, that time, point, but, but he is now. So I'll give Riley credit for that, I suppose. You know. Well, yeah. So um, sure. So we had what well, the class at that yep, point was eleven. Or 12, it was eleven. Is that right, right there. Mm-hmm. And about half was yeah. four star guys. So then, okay. as soon as he got fired, I think we lose Josh Moore. We lose Goodrich. We lose Buki. We lose Chase Williams. If we lose a few other guys, but those are the four star guys we left. So by the time Frost got here. Um, say he got his first commit was December 10th. We had two four stars left, which was Tate and Cam Jurgens. Um, and his very first right. recruit that he got was a four star, that CJ Smith. So um, we have, right, as of right now, we have got one, two, three, four, five, six, six four stars back under Frost. Uh, with Breon Dixon, the Juco transfer from Old Miss, you could count him as a four star too, really. Because he was a four-star in high school, and he's potentially going to be ready to play early. So right, it, it was almost a wash. I mean, Buki did turn out to be a five-star uh, that we did lose. Um, but this question is kind of loaded. And ranking-wise. Well, like, yeah, but here's the thing. Th- that's like assuming that all these guys would have stuck around with Riley regardless. Regardless if he got fired or not. I mean, this – right. I don't think that would have been the case with the season that if, he had. If Riley went eight and four. Right. Sure. Yeah, at four and eight, where they've actually yeah, I mean stuck those, those guys yeah. are going to be lost amongst the shuffle. What 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 Frost did in company is he replaced the the defensive backs we lost with other four star defensive backs, replaced the four star wide receiver with a four star receiver, and then added a four star JUCO running back and added a four star top one hundred quarterback. So I mean it's and all those guys or not all those guys, but a lot of those guys are going to be early contributors, ready to play right away in spring ball. So. I feel like the transition, you know, people are really holding on to that that recruiting class that was Riley's shining jewel of his coaching career here. I mean, it, I, I think it feels like it's time to move on from that. Yeah, I'm hearing you. Hockey, I'm sure you're going to love to jump on this this one. Yeah, I, well, I mean, I, I'm happy for the, the people that are happy that we're number 18 in the country in, in recruiting rankings. I'm really happy for them. I It doesn't – that part doesn't mean a whole heck of a lot to me, to be honest with you. But, but what matters to me is that I'm seeing a relentless coaching staff out there recruiting kids, and they are. Somebody, somebody I saw on today said that, you know, ten of our kids are we got them from the SEC area, and I oh, hate yeah. hearing that just because it, it it's like it's giving credit to the SEC here. We what we have is we have seven kids from Florida, and if that's SEC country, sure, it's also ACC country and whatever. It's also the state that our coaching staff just came from and that's awesome i think it's great that they are they're hitting while the 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 hitting is hot right i can't promise that we're gonna get seven kids yeah Yeah. can't promise we're gonna get seven kids from from florida a year from now and i don't want you know fans getting too crazy one way or the other about that you know or you know those years where you get you know five guys from texas and next year you don't get any well what's wrong in texas it just things change from one year to the next I mean, I can remember the year that we got four out of Arizona, that time that we got, like, Prince and Haig and William Yancey yeah, right. and Javario Burks, I think it was. And then, you know, we don't really hit much Arizona for the next couple of years. Those things just happen. But right now, I'm ecstatic with the organization, the effort. Frost, that guy is a machine out there. When we are recruiting a kid, I swear it seems like he's in the photo every time. I mean, this guy isn't just the closer. It's not the – the head coach being the closer. Yeah, he's doing he, the hard work. And I think doing the hard work. There's yep. an element of this that that I think when you are talking about a coaching staff that's going to ask a lot out of their players and we're hearing things right now in the off-season workouts and everything. And these coaches are asking these players to give a lot, a lot. Like we're hearing the same stories I'm sure other people are. Hey, guys are puking yeah, and all that's that. Right. Well, did you hear the story that Frost was puking at a practice at UCF? Because he was sick as he was flying across the country doing two jobs. There's an element of when, when, that's, when that coach can say, look, I've been doing – I'm not asking you to do anything I wouldn't do either. You know, I've done it. I'm, I'm, I'm working as hard as you guys are. I mean, there's, there's a respect that grows out of that. And I'm just seeing a, a staff that's very, very disciplined, that is very organized, 
They're working really hard, and that matters to me much more than the four and the five-star rankings because those kind of sure. things move up and down just like Tate Wilderman's did. So, you know, I love yeah, I love I, where I, we're at. I, I feel like, you know, not all four- and five-star guys are are the – are the same, right? You know, and I think uh, I, I saw Cam Jones interacting with a some dumb fan who who actually tagged him in a in a tweet or saying, "Oh, I wish we got five star guys, not four star guys." And I'm like, "Oh my goodness, are really? I mean, why do you have you know that player actually in that 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 tweet?" And and Cam actually was like, "You know, to." The five-star thing is just uh, the guys who actually go out and camp all summer long and self-remote ultimately are the ones that end up getting five stars. They, they're no different than a lot of the four-star guys. They just actually did a better job of selling themselves. Yeah, we had one of those guys across. committed to us and, for a uh, very that, long that, time. You know, and, then, and he did such a <laughs> good job. Got, he did yeah, get he his He finally got star. the five-star. Yeah. Exactly, and it's like, and and it came actually ended the tweet and uh, was like, you know, you actually want to get guys who actually love playing football, right? And I think that's the actually to hockey's point. I mean, like, I think the guys that Frost and company are recruiting, my sense is, is that um, regardless of the stars, I mean, they're they're they know who they want from a personality and a player type, and they're more interested in that fit. Uh, than any of the rankings per se, right? They want to find guys that want to hit hard and play hard and can can fit into a an off-season conditioning program that mm-hmm. is going to be hell, right? And if you aren't going to like that, if you aren't going to want to get pushed like that, you, you're not going to want to be here anyway. So, mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I would have liked to have been a fly on the wall in last weekend's uh, oh, yeah. recruiting weekend because – I don't think that this staff is hiding what we do in the off season to kids that are coming in to see it. And if no. you're a kid coming in here, you, you're you're on your official visit, and you get to see how hard this team's working, and you still want to come here. And, and and there are a lot of kids out there that will want to do that. Let me let me make that very clear. But we're going to work hard. We're going to work as hard as anybody in the country, and it'll get easier. It'll suck the first day. It'll get better the first, you know, second week. It'll get better the third week. And at some point, you start to see results that you've never seen before. And when that starts to happen, and that and the team's gelling and all those things, oh, my gosh, that, that's, that's where Frost starts to talk about how this is a fun thing, right? We're going to work so hard, but we're going to have a ton of fun in the process. And if we can get kids to come in here and they can see that and they, and they still come here, it doesn't scare them off, that's, wor- that's worth a star. It's worth two stars. Add it to the kid. Because that's a kid that's bought in, he and he wants to come to Nebraska. Yeah, and, and there yeah. is so I much. Mean, value I think it's in a that. difference of as you talk about that a little bit. You know, we've talked a lot about the walk-on program. You're like, oh, you got to have the walk-ons to set the set the work ethic, et cetera. Well, hell, what you got here is a head coach who's a Nebraska kid who knows exactly what it takes to to succeed here. I mean, it starts from the top at this point, and I think that's the game changer that we're seeing right now. We mm-hmm. got a long ways to go, but I mean, that, that's what gets me excited, I guess, more than anything. Yep. Yeah, and you know, Mac. I know you've got some thoughts on that too. I mean, just it was kind of the that not all stars are the same, and just the type of player you think that we're recruiting right now. I know we've talked about this. I mean, you just kind of feel like that type of player just seems to be a little different, maybe less hype and more more action. Yeah, the way it looks, and it, some of this is a little skewed because we are kind of dealing with that first the first time around with the early signing period. So, and these guys have kind of come in in a and kind of accelerated the process that you normally wouldn't maybe take. You would, you would take a little while to build up some relationships with. Point being that with with Riley and right. staff, it seemed like we played a lot of long ball with these guys who had to go through their recruiting processes and, and take all their visits. Yeah, and a lot, lot of, of, a lot of camps. Got to yeah. hit a lot of them camps. Got to gotta make sure that the rival sees my updates. And, and then we just wait around for the decision to come along. And and Frost asked, and it'll be interesting to see this next year, but it seems like once they get on a guy, you don't hear about him very long and before he starts talking about recruiting or an official visit. You know, it's not this waiting around to see if we're going to get this official visit or not. I mean, these guys, I don't know what message they're giving these recruits when they're getting in the home, but they're seeming to put a sense of urgency under them that you need to commit with us quickly or we need to go ahead and move on to the next guy. You know, that, that Henry guy, that... that I can't remember. Tayshawn Henry. Tayshawn Henry. It sounds like he's not going to be coming to take his official visit with us this weekend uh, like he was scheduled to at first. You know, you can read into that a few different things. The way I see it is, 
it's just probably being up front with the kids saying, you know, I think the Washington, the Maurice Washington kid, they're really high on him and he might be the the route that they're going to go. Yeah. But, and so that, you know, the Henry kids getting left out, whatever, that's fine. But I mean, yeah, I, I it does seem like, and you guys follow this on, on rivals a lot closer. So you probably seen some of this more than, than me and Boomer, but it does seem like how they're laying out these official visits and the honesty maybe. I mean, they're just flat out saying, look, guys, we only have so many spots right now. We can't waste uh, a, an official visit for you just to come and see it. It's either something you want to be serious about or not. And, or, hey, look, we've already yeah. got this guy, and I'm sorry, you're just not as high on the board, and we're just going to take this guy, and I'm sorry that we got 22 spots. We're going to fill 22 spots. We're moving on. And it's crazy, know? too, because um, we weren't going to take a running back in this class with Riley and them. And we've got with Miles Jones, we've got an eight. Which yeah, makes no sense. Miles to Jones, we've got an all-purpose guy who's the, that that kind of that speed that Otis Anderson kid they had, and then you get the Greg Bell from a JUCO. He's going to be ready to go right away. So I mean, the fact that maybe we get Henry, maybe we get Washington, or or, or if we don't, they've already recruited that position well. You know, we we've got two two guys in there ready to yeah. go, and one who's going to be here for spring. So, you know. You're not going to have a it's just not going to be that way anymore. I mean, you look at UCF with Adrian Killens and Anderson, and you're going to have tons of guys catching the ball, but you're not getting anybody rushing for versatility. Yards every will game. be the key, you know, pass catching ability. You know, they're going to want them to be interchangeable, so that'll that'll bring about different types of backs that we haven't seen here. But but I do think also we're going to rotate those types of backs in throughout the offense. There's not going to be one guy with you know 250 carries for the season. But there might be several guys with around 150 touches, you know, however that ends up being. So, and right. they, whatever they do, as long as they're scoring points and who really cares, you know, these positions kind of get blended and it's happening in the pros too. Nobody runs like a exclusive one back kind of, everybody sort of does committees, you know, the pass catching, that's not new. Everybody needs to be able to do that. Yeah. Well, part yeah, of that committee, right. I, I'd like to see. You know, if, I guess if if Washington doesn't come through or whatever, Milton Starbaugh is still out there. And since yep. the last show, I think I mentioned on last week's show that there were maybe some academic issues with them. I've heard some things since then on, on – I think it was on Sharp and Benning where it sounds like actually that's been taken care of. So I don't even know if that's going to be an issue with him. So What's the story with – I mean, I'm, I mean, you're right. I mean, the guy was explosive, had huge numbers, uh, looked great in the state championship game. It's not just Nebraska here. No one else has offered him. Is that right? So, or has he just pretty much made it clear to the K states of the world? It's either Nebraska or Iowa Western, and I'm not messing around. Well, I think that's a good question. Why there's not more going after him? I mean, his size. What I've heard. Yeah. What I very specifically what they were saying on Sharp and Benning, and they had a guy that was on there talking about him that kind of knows him, and he's like, he was saying, I'd like to. I want to know specifically the size of these other guys, the Washingtons and the probably the Henrys and those guys that we were going after. He's like, I want to know exactly what their size is because I know exactly how big Sarbaugh is and that kid, you know, if he wasn't in Omaha, if he was in, you know, a more populated area or whatever, that kid would be, you know, getting offers and everything. And so, I mean, what they've said several times on that show is that it was kind of down to Nebraska or Iowa Western. And to me, I, I'm not sure why there's absolutely no in-between to your point there, Dave, if, if you know, if K-State right. came in there, Iowa does, State, would, that, <laughs> would that change things? You know, I, 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 I would – you would think it would. Not I, even Wyoming, for goodness sakes. Sure, yeah. I mean, right? you, you certainly could you certainly could think that, but but I or or, or Anki actually uh, Purdue, right? I hear Purdue was in town and offered five guys in the last day or two, right? Purdue I mean, was in town. Georgia was in town. You know, and I think what we're what's going to happen all of a sudden what here, are those clowns and, uh, doing thinking do they this, not know who a, just came home i mean scott frost is back in the neighborhood well <laughs> i say this with a little bit of a smile on my face here but but it's amazing how all of a sudden we're going to have a lot of of talent in this state and all of a sudden it's going to be yeah you know well that's a banner year and then the next year is going to be a banner year and the next year is going to be a banner year well when you sell the state and this goes into a question it goes a little bit into a trivia question or poll question that we had but uh but it's amazing when you start to sell the state a little bit more and when Nebraska is interested in their own players. And, and yes, the, there's also good talent. Don't get me wrong. I'm not trying to right. downplay the fact that we have some good talent, but but we're the ones that offer. Well, you may – sorry. Yeah, Dave. you may be right on that. Uh, no, I'm just saying that I, I you know, McGuire has said that Frost is the king of good timing. And you're right. People are saying that, like, 
this year and then in 2020 is supposed to be even better and whatever it's like suddenly we're going to have three straight years of of really good classic like 1990s uh you know era classes which is ironic to say the least yeah well and again you know even back into the 90s it's not (laughs) it's not like those classes were just full of unbelievable no, but you kids. got we, your running back out of omaha we, we would get that we would get that running back but a lot of times we took what yeah. you would call stretches i mean terry Keneally played at eight man hyenas and sure. i don't know that a staff in the last 15 years would have taken him you know no, so point is but point is when you're taking kids in state and, and when you're making that a priority it's amazing how that kind of bleeds into uh that wow there's there's something here and 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 other coaches start to see it and other coaches start to come down here and and, and check it out too. There are a couple of top guys I know at Burke that are obviously attracting a lot of attention, but it will filter well, out into me, some other players. Let me flip that on on the side a little bit, Honk and, and Mac. Uh, love to hear your thoughts as well. You know, Honky's made a point that you know when there's someone in the state of Nebraska that deserves a scholarship, Nebraska not only should be offering the scholarship, they should be the first one in practically. They should be able to identify in-state talent sooner than everyone else and, and get in there. Um, but I, I don't know. I mean, Purdue, like I said, offered five guys. Uh, uh, there's a lot of offers going out to in-state guys. And it, has Nebraska offered everyone in-state right now that some other FBS school has, has offered? Or there's there's some offers out there that you know, were not the first ones in and I guess why I, why I asked that question is is that I completely I'm I'm buying in honk. I mean I, we've mm-hmm. we've had butted heads on this many times before. I'm buying in on the in the in-state thing, but you also have to trust your your coaching staff's evaluation, right? Sure. And I'm sure I mean Scott Frost is going to evaluate those guys, and maybe he is even give the in-state guys a little bit of bump because he knows how hard they're going to work. But I mean if they're not you know getting getting the right scores and he does should he care that Purdue just came in and offered some guy that he hasn't offered yet if he doesn't you know think he's there you know yeah uh, I, I throw out to you guys it is so early and this is the I think this is a good point sure a good point to talk about how there's recruiting and what they have to do to finish up this class which you can be a little bit more to max point you can be a little bit more hey you got to make a decision let's get going because you either had an early signing date in December to deal with or February one Things start to change, obviously, when you're starting to talk about next year because that's a year away, and now it's time to evaluate players. What this, I don't know who's all been offered or not, but what I know the staff has done and done a lot already is they've gone out throughout the state and they've made connections after connections in the high schools. So it's not necessarily that important to me that they're the first team to offer some kid that maybe Purdue would have just offered. I, I don't even know who the names would be yet. It's that they'll get to that point and that they'll also have summer camps and they'll evaluate these kids and, and they'll they'll get the offers out, you know, right. as need be. And if they don't offer a kid, if they pull the, let's say, kind of what uh, Bryson Williams went through, if they choose not to offer a kid in state, it will be because they they took them through all the all everything that they're going to evaluate them with and they just make that decision not to. But, right. but you know, I think that, that we're going to see more kids – more kids getting that that look and more kids getting that 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 opportunity and you know there's still like Norfolk I know they have a kid Piper up there that Iowa's offered the offensive lineman I don't know that I don't know if Nebraska's offered there you yet go. or that not just example. as an example right and then again school or guys like uh, Snodgrass and and Nelson out in Scotts Bluff I don't have them right in front of me what their recruiting list looks like but I don't know how many other schools offered them but Nebraska did under Riley but I certainly expect us to continue to to keep those offers out there and and uh that just it's amazing that makes you look all the more bumper cropish when you have guys out there that you're offering and and are coming here sure well Mac, just the, the important thing for me is the if, if you've got the guys identified as guys that you think can play for you just go ahead and offer them stop slow playing the in-state kids that's probably been the most maddening thing if you need to take a little time to evaluate a guy before you actually make an offer you know, you might want to see his senior tape because he's grown a little bit. That's that's completely different than what we're talking about. But, like, do you get concerned that a Purdue flew in here and threw five offers out throughout the state? No, not really. Because I don't know if we've offered them or not, if we're planning on offering them or not. But, but the guys that we've identified early in the process that we think can be players for us in this state need to be offered immediately. 
you know, no waiting for Iowa to kind of get around to it or Wisconsin to swoop in and go, okay, yeah, now it's time to go ahead and make this kid's intentions known, you know. we And I don't think that'll be a problem with this staff. They have certainly shown any indication yeah. that they're going to be slow playing in-state kids, which I think has been Correct. probably sure. the, the biggest complaint from the last couple coaching regimes from the in-state coaches about how they've recruited the state. If I'm if I'm reading that situation right, so that that's a nice thing to say goodbye to. I'm, I'm looking forward to that being no longer spoken about. Yeah. There will always be Milton Sarbrules out there that that are like mm-hmm. small, but like all the people around here saw him dominate, and, and that's and then you'll have Danny Woodheads out there that'll just show you. Well, this is what happens when you let these guys go. But let's that there are many right. many okay. many stories of those guys who did walk on to Nebraska and never played it down. And then they went off to have lives afterwards. Sure. So, you know, you're not going to make everybody happy. Uh, but, you know, just do your due diligence. That's all that anyone's ever really asked. A- absolutely. And, and you're going to oh. miss on people. It's more important what they're doing right now, building relationships, going out constantly, like repeatedly already in state. That's the To me, that's the most important thing because you start building those relationships with those coaches. And it should never be a surprise. If, if there is a Bryson Williams kind of example next year, it should not be a surprise to a coach. It should be a thing where, where by the time that the that decision's being made, Coach Frost and, and the head coach they've had numbers of conversations and everything, and, and it's just it's just an evaluation thing, right? But you can go back. You can go back to the '90s. I like to talk about those years, right? We would lose kids. I mean, we lost we lost Tim Ritter and we lost uh oh who was the the Southeast kid that went to Notre Dame? Um, oh, Ty Ty Good. You know, Tiger, so, Junior Bryant left. Yeah, yeah so we, we lost some kids. But those aren't the same things as what we're talking about here because those are just national kids that we just lost. We offered. We just didn't get them. But we had kids like Quentin Newyar, who was a center from Utah. We lost this quarterback uh, to Stanford one Well, time. we lost a, a quarterback to Stanford. We lost. I was mentioning Quentin Newyar was a center that ended up being all big eight at, at, a, at a Kansas State. We just didn't offer. I mean, those things happen. I don't want to make it sound like, you know, go back to 90s when we never, ever lost a kid. But – we had relationships with our in-state coaches. We keep talking about that coaches clinic that we go to. The first year I went to it uh, in 90, 2002, that was Solch's last year. There, you know, there, or 2003, yeah, 2003. They were welcoming Pelini that that first year as a DC. They had about 850 coaches, I think, at it. And at that time, that wasn't even a huge number. I think they'd had bigger numbers of you know in some of the prior years. But that was a big deal nationally. People knew Nebraska's coaches clinic was a was a big deal. That steadily has gone down over the years, and and, right. and not to I'm not trying to point a finger and blame any one person. I thought Riley tried hard at times, and yet last year's one. I mean, they had about half that. I'm not expecting half that this year. I'm expecting a big crew of people down there, an excited crew, and I'm expecting more and more when there's downtime in between recruiting cycles and all that stuff. I'm expecting our coaches to be going out and 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 knocking the doors in, in Ord and Shadron and, and Omaha and York and, and every place in between and just talking to the coaches even if they don't have someone. I mean, Mac, Boomer, we, you know, we, sure. were, we were at Columbus Scotas. We had a kid, kid that was in our grade. Brandon Drum ended up being a, a, a Nebraska player, but we had other kids that they were coming down and recruiting. And Dave, you went to Columbus High, and they, there was a number of walk-ons that came through there. The staff came to Columbus just every year. It was whether you had a kid, they just came. They just came. Through. Oh, I remember when Tom Osborne That's, was at SCOTUS. That was a huge day. I remember running down the hallway to go see. Yeah, hockey. Did you actually like almost beat him in the in yeah. the hallway? Yeah, I think there's probably still a restraining order on me uh, for that. <laughs> okay, so I stuck your head out the window and shouted at him as he was leaving too. So, you asked, uh, you asked him did. to marry you. So it was in. <laughs> no, no, that's not quite the but. Mr. Pitts, uh, uh, Gary Pitts, and we had the Hall of Fame uh, coaches at, at SCOTUS, Jim and Gary, and uh, they would always have, uh, they'd always have Dan Young or Milt Teneper coming in there. Just the line coaches seemed to come down to to SCOTUS all the time. But there was one time that that Gary kind of pulls me aside and says, "Hey, Osborne's coming here today, just so you know." And I don't know how if I just left class, I don't know how I got out of there. But I I heard that he was in the weight room, and I'm running as fast as I can. And I I just run up to the front door, and, and he turns around and looks at me, and I'm like, Tom, hi. And then I turn around and ran away. So he just had to think, like, you know, who is that fool? 
well, that fool went back upstairs, and then I look out the window, and I see Tom getting into a car to drive away, and I start yelling, Tom! And he looks up at me again like, can I just get out of this this town? Did he at least think you looked fast when you were running away from him? I bet that guy could block a punter too. Uh, How many quarters did he play last year? (laughs) (laughs) Couldn't get $2 worth or whatever. Less than two bills. (laughs) Anyways, I, I digress. Uh, those are the moments. Those are the moments that, that, that you hope. Uh, but that, would you uh, have done you know, that for Matt Ryan? Scott Frost. No. Would you have done that for Bo I Pelini? I didn't. No. I, I wouldn't do it for, uh, was it? Bill Callahan? Who's the younger brother of Stoops that, that works for Bob? Or he was the DC Mark? there. At, uh, Mark Stoops? No, Mark is the uh, the, the Kentucky uh, head coach. Who's the, he was the head Mark coach. Mark Stoops. Is there a Mike is, Stoops? Is Mark the guy that was at Arizona? Mike Stoops, right? No, Mike was at Arizona. Mark is at yes, Kentucky. Yes, Mike was the guy. He came Tim to Scotus. We'll move on. M yeah. Stoops. Mike came to Scotus one time when I was in high school, and he wanted to, like to find the. Uh, and he was wearing his Kansas State uh, shirt, and he wanted to find the uh, weight room. And I took him all over the place. I didn't intent. I intentionally didn't take him to the weight room because <laughs> <So, laughs> he was wearing great. Kansas State. Why would I do it? I That's hilarious. totally respect That's that. Like what was he even doing in our school? Uh... I don't know. That that is all. That's an all-in attitude. The whole state there. The whole state is recruiting. You have have like sophomores in high school running detours on on other coaches. Have you ever seen the pictures of Bo Pelini's with fan? (laughs) Like as an example of the difference, every picture I've ever seen of Bo Pelini with a fan, he's got the same look on his face where he either is about to murder somebody or just got done murdering somebody. (laughs) Like he's never seen a camera before. Like what do I do? I know. You know, take a picture. In fairness, that's that's every. It's picture every picture. Taken. You're right, Michael. It's yeah, every yeah. picture he's ever taken. His wedding pictures are like you know. Frosty for... takes these pictures and he smiles, what? and that's like, oh, that's interesting. What a way to be. What a I'm oh, like you yeah. approach Bo the way you approach Tom Osborne. Bo would have put you in a headlock and slammed you on the floor. You know, it's different. Deservingly <laughs> yeah. so, probably. Well, you know, speaking of. of Nebraska high school football. We actually have a Twitter poll that's out there, and it's led to some pretty decent. What, what size so would far. you call that poll? And all it was was I'm just curious. It was it was a decent sized poll. <laughs> giggity. Um, <laughs> there is basically um, I I found a link out there that was just talking about uh, you know what what states do have uh, spring football and which ones don't. Dave, do you know out there in Colorado is there high school spring football? Any idea? I do not know that. Um, I was down in Texas, and that's definitely a thing in yes. Texas. I know that. I don't know about college. Definitely the SEC area. But you know what? I Reading this one uh, webpage I went to, I mean, there was – in Connecticut, they have the option if they want to. So, I mean, it's really a state-by-state thing. In Nebraska, obviously, you can't. So the question simply is, is that uh, do you think that rule should change? And, and I gave plenty of opportunities for people to say no. There's no let them be kids, no – uh, that will hurt other sports. So if you're playing spring football, you're not in track and so on. And I also gave them no, that would cause more injuries. And so far right now with about 500 votes, uh, 41% of people. Did you give them a people, yes opportunity? Yeah, well, 41% of people said no for any one of those three reasons. 59% say yes, let the schools decide here in Nebraska. And the whole point behind that is that, again, you know, it's the, it's the old myth. We have no talent in the state and blah, blah, blah. But if we go out and we have spring football, not only are those kids getting more opportunities to put the pads on and play and, the, and they'll be better, but also how many times do you see our coaches go down to Texas, you know, during spring ball, and that's when a kid gets offered. They go down, you know, and they, they get chances to, to see the, t- the teams play and practice together. I'm not talking seven-on-seven seven stuff. I'm not talking some club thing. You're, you're there with your coaches and with your, your team in spring, and you're just getting some, some extra practices. Um, it's an, it, there's a lot to it. I mean, it's not just as simple as yes or no. I, I, I get that because, uh, like I said, it can, it can affect smaller schools a lot more than it can affect bigger schools. Class A schools, I could see it be a thing where maybe Class A, you try it out at that at that level because those kids maybe are a little more targeted to one sport. But yeah, sure. I mean, I feel like uh, you know, and I think Dirk Chatlin has has some articles about this in World Health recently. But like the specialization uh, in high school. Has now you know hit Nebraska where you, there's certain like you know schools in Omaha where they don't have enough 
you know, uh, people go out for a certain sport because everybody just only goes out for one sport. So, I mean, in, in an era of specialization, I'm not saying that's a good thing, but if it's already to that point, I don't know if the spring football would hurt track or, or soccer as much uh, anyway because you're not having a lot of those kids do multiple sports. Um, it sure has had an impact on the – the uh, the quality of play and the recruits coming out of Florida, California, Texas, et cetera, um, uh, uh, for what that is worth. Yeah. Well, you always hear it. You hear it in the rivals. You hear it with the, the different uh, recruiting sites where they talk about the kids that are playing in, in some of their, their summer leagues that they do or summer camps. They just say that there's some more complete players coming out of some of those states, not necessarily because they're better athletes. It's just, hey, they played a lot more football. They've had sure. more practices. And so um, we've always said it. You know, it, it's amazing. That kid in Nebraska who's 6'2", 225, and runs a 4'6", he's a two-star. And the, and the same kid that's 6'2", 225, and runs a 4'6", and, and he's from, you you name the state down south, you, you add two stars to him all of a sudden. It's the exact same athlete, but there's just different – there's – whether it's whether they just don't get the notoriety, sure, or don't one might be more developed further. Yes, yeah, yeah. I mean, some of it's bias, but I mean, part of that is the actual development of the players. Correct. So, and that's and that yeah. was the point behind the, the polls that it's not all bias. Like I, I, you know, I come off, I come off wrong at times. I'll admit being wrong where I'm like, Nebraska Whoa. just doesn't. Ha- I know Nebraska doesn't have the quantity of talent that you're going to get at a. That obviously, some of those states are much larger than us to begin with, but it is a development thing too. I think at times. And so the, a question like that is about from a development, what are things that we can do that other states are already doing that, that maybe could help decrease that, that development gap, Sure, not the talent gap. The it development seems like gap. if, if some Nebraska high school programs start to mimic frost offense, that would be even Ooh. a greater opportunity to really uh, kind of play catch up with that. Yeah. You know, we've talked about that a little yeah. bit there, Mac. Yeah, I just, I just want to voice I'm not a big fan of that idea, the spring football. I mean, yeah, I guess, you know, I guess you could have a few players get better experience for it. But, I, I mean, certain states, you know, you mentioned Florida, Alabama, Texas, they have spring ball. I don't believe Ohio does, do they? I mean, as far as I know, they don't. And they don't really seem to have a problem churning out, you know, plenty of high-quality athletes there. I mean, it can be done. And plus, I think just, you know, you mentioned the injury aspect of it. Yeah, I mean, I suppose you could argue, you know, some additional practices would help you, you know, proper techniques and things like that. But I think, you know, in a sport like football, which is already having enough trouble with, you know, problems with head injuries and concussions from repeated blows again and again and again, are we going to want, you know, high school kids doing this that much more? Is it just going to make it that much tougher to market? And that, you know, that is a concern. And Yeah, I think a lot of... I mean, hockey's right. I, I, I think state by state, some states do probably have uh, contact practices. Others might it might be a, a lighter, less contact spring ball. So that can vary quite a bit. You know, I mean, a little bit more on the the lighter side. If I remember right, when you guys were at, at the powerhouse that was Columbus Scotus football, wasn't there like like I don't know track football or something where that you guys would go out for track, but you wouldn't actually compete for in track. Football track, just like lift weights and run. <laughs> Football track well, is what they. I don't, do. I don't want to yeah, be exposing the dirty laundry. That was for the, anyway, was so for the linemen who couldn't even throw discus. That was like, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, just say guys. it, Mac. That was for honky. It was for honky and and that's Yeah, that was a. You guys had the best practice. I am going to say that's. I am going to say though that that's a five hundred and one vote. So I'm going to add boomers, and that's a no. For Boomer, I guess. And, <laughs> and, and actually, Boomer, to your point, I, I I actually completely agree with you on the injury part. And that's one of the reasons I gave three different no options. One of them was, you know, cause more injuries. That's the one that got the least amount of votes. Right now, 3%. Really? 3% have no because of injuries. There's uh, 24% said no because it would hurt the other sports. And 14% said no, let the kids be kids. So just, you know, there's no reason to have year-round football, which I take a little bit of issue with because we seem to have no issue with kids being kids when it comes to baseball and being on seven different leagues. And, bat, you know, I've got nephew, that I have too, a nephew so who's in different. baseball and he's in basketball. And, the, and, and you know, the, all these other sports have no issues throwing kids in all the time into to year-round practices, you know, and – yeah, but, that's kind you know, of a different game, but football. yeah, I'd be opposed to that, too. Yeah, so yeah my knee-jerk reaction to it would be, 
probably no for a lot of the reasons you guys have already illustrated. But I would also leave it to the state and to the school to decide whether they think it's something they want to do or not. I don't have any I don't have any interest in yep. legislating it one way or the other, but but I I don't like specialization um, for young kids in sports. I think it's ridiculous. I think parents not to get out of soapbox on it, but who are you who are you guys kidding? I mean you're not you're not building a scholarship player here. I mean there there are some factors but if you don't have Division One talent to start with in your gene pool, if you think you're going to get your kid to that level, you're just ruining their lives. Personal soapbox, sorry. But they don't need to be in everything, all right? They can just be kids for a little while, too. The chances are they're going to not be Division One athletes. Just throwing that out there. Yep, that's right. Yep, good point. Mm-hmm. Uh, all right, guys. Uh, I actually had one other question left, kind of record, uh, related to rec- uh, recruiting that I think might be a of at least just interest. Um, and we were talking about the, you know, the offers and only having so many offers and official visits um, left for this cycle. I was reading somewhere that, so we start with the early official visits can start this spring, right? Um, then we can actually have juniors, I guess, essentially come, come mm-hmm. starting in April or May or whatever. But the amount of, official visits we have left actually carries over till like some point in the summer. Correct. So they're probably saving some of those. Is that correct for that early spring um, visits? Uh, I mean, what are the numbers? What's the story with that? Mac, do you know numbers there? I want to say it's like you're allotted like 54 visits or so, official visits per recruiting cycle. And then if you have any leftover from the previous, you do get to carry those over for like one additional year, which I think is why this staff is running into some issues with these last couple weeks of the recruiting cycle and not having people in every weekend is because we're kind of down, we're kind of up against it um, with the, with the last set of visits. So once and and they need I'm to not save, sure save when that re- resets, probably after probably after February, right after signing the eight resets, but. Um, but yeah, it has it has been brought up that it's been kind of an issue because so many were used earlier on, and and you know we're kind of a program. We use a lot of them for spring ball. It's a, that's a big big recruiting weekend for us, so um, we kind of get a lot of those out of the way early. So I don't know. I'm sure Riley and then yeah, the, I I have oh uh, I, I have heard some of the same things that Dave was saying though is that there's something about some carrying over or being you know I don't know how it resets. Like the or reset when it does. clock doesn't. It hasn't been adjusted. Right. Yeah, they need the to do that. Signing period. So yeah. somehow it's like June first or some ridiculous yeah. thing. And so if you want someone to come here on an official visit, not just unofficial, which is what I think typically happens for spring, an official visit, um, and it's all paid for, and the parents can come, etc. Uh, they had to save some of those. Is my understanding. If only there was a resource that we could go to the a interconnected <laughs> web of. Of computers that would have such knowledge, we could probably look it up. But I, yeah, right off the top of my head, I don't know exactly what the number is or when that when well, that date is. But I, I have well, heard something similar. Let's do the research and, and get that. back to me on it, right? Yeah, <laughs> we can do a little research for next week. I guess. Let's go ahead and put a pin in that one. We'll All come right. back. To, we'll Sounds circle good. back to that one. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right, guys. Anything else on football? No, oh, good chat. All right, all right. Let's uh, let's wrap this up with some hot takes. Um, Honky, I know you always have at least one good one. Fire away. Yeah, well, I've got uh, – I guess I have two here tonight. Uh, one of them is uh, – just wanted to kind of mention for – it's easy as fans that we can get down on our school, but uh, prior to Illinois basketball beating Indiana uh, last week, prior to that happening, uh, they had gone almost an entire year, 327 days I think was the stat – where Illinois had not won a conference game in either men's basketball, women's basketball, or football. So they were 0-9 in football, they were 0-8 wow. men's basketball at the time, and then they were 0-8 in women's basketball. So it was all dating back to last year. So just to keep things in perspective, and actually how remarkably well we're doing right now, if you if you think of it that way. And uh, the other thing, too, is uh, I'd like to, to thank our new, our new friend, uh, Andy Katz, for retweeting uh, – retweeting us last week after the uh, Rutgers win. That's awesome. Yeah, I posted a video of him uh, talking about how he's been driving the bus for, for Husker, you know, basketball to make the, the postseason. And, you know, I tagged him in it, and he, like, two minutes later retweeted it. And I was like, holy smokes, you know, there we got Andy Katz is our next. half a million eyeballs on us all of a sudden, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, we have that many followers by ourselves, obviously, but it's just nice to have someone like Katz, you know, support our efforts, so. That's right. Good stuff. All right, Boomer. 
Well, I just would like a quick little open letter here to the uh, NCAA Tournament Committee when you start looking at things. I realize you're probably going to make Virginia one of the top seeds, and if anyone has actually watched Virginia play, imagine Doc Sadler on, you know, sedatives. So it's some of the <laughs> most boring Yeesh. basketball you'd ever want to watch. So consider the Huskers. I mean, we're exciting, and we can score more than 49 points on Wisconsin. Pack line defense, man. Whew. That's tough. All right, I, I'm just patiently waiting for this next win from the Husker basketball team to uh, to catapult me into uh, what they call bandwagon fandom. I'm super excited. That's right. <laughs> I've <laughs> they really should have committed after this game because you have a whole week now that you can't be on it until next Tuesday. Uh, so I'll figure something out. <laughs> hey, that's your own peril. All right, all right, sounds good. All right, guys, uh, that was a great show. Great talking to you. Let's call that a Go Big Redcast. GBR. GBR.